Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, have any of you had a friend, or dare I say, are any of you this friend, that perhaps gives a little bit too much information to your peers? I mean, you all know that person, right? The person who, like, is confided in and then uses that as an opportunity to tell everybody around them what's going on in everybody's personal lives. Again, apologies if you are this person, but perhaps maybe Matthew feels a little familiar to you this morning then. I mean, seriously, think about this. This is the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. Okay, we have this nice little prologue that gives us a genealogy. And then the second thing that we hear from Matthew is giving away the relatively intimate details of a couple's life. I mean, seriously, every three years we should be just a little scandalized that we have to go through this, right? It's like, would you want somebody to peer this deeply into your personal life? And then do you want billions of people, billions and billions of people over the course of centuries to have reminisced over this moment in your marriage? I I mean, I doubt it. And keep in mind, too, that this is how Matthew is going to kick off how to explain Jesus was born. Which is also kind of strange. I've told you, Matthew is not my favorite gospel. And you know. But it's also interesting to me that this is one of the only times in Scripture that Joseph actually takes center stage at all. Most of the other time, in most years that we would come to this Sunday, we would listen to the Magnificat and, oh, how beautiful. But here, this year, we got to go listen to Joseph, who really is, like, in terms of major characters, an incredibly minor character in the New Testament. But listen, any of us who might be in this position understand, understands how something like this might come up. Most folks who have a basic sense of reproduction, and I understand we got a mixed crowd in here, might be a little nonplussed when before they got married, before they even lived together, before we could tell anything had happened, suddenly your betrothed is pregnant. You might think to yourself, I I wonder how that could happen. This doesn't feel like necessarily the greatest way to kick off our soon-to-be marriage. This could be thought of of the modern equivalent when it talks about being exposed in the Greek. It's like a revelation. It's like, oh, it's been like three or four weeks, I think, honey. And then you go, you get the pregnancy test, and it comes back positive, and you're like, ooh, I did not expect that. I don't know what the ancient equivalent was of that moment, but that's what the gospel writer is trying to invite us to think about. It's like, this is the whoops moment. Like, oh my gosh, what, what, just, what just happened here? And I also think that if we were to sit with one of our friends who we get all of this too much information story and we're all sitting over Manhattans or we're over at Rue and be like, did you hear what happened to Mary and Joseph? Did you hear about that? Of course, one too many Manhattans deep, you start to devolve your personal advice, right? As these things go, well, you know, makes total sense that they would get split up. I mean, come on. 
I mean, if we're honest, that does sound like a pretty reasonable approach. If there must have been some sort of infidelity, that is something in the Hebrew law that was even permitted, is that at that point, it's totally reasonable to be divorced. But Matthew really wants to draw this point that, you know what, Joseph's a good guy. And yes, there could have been deeper retribution, but you know, he's just gonna just keep it quiet, let it go. But he stops on all things because of a story from an angel in a dream. And on top of that, y'all, Joseph is actually faithful to that dream. He actually follows through, right down to refraining from intimacy with Mary until Jesus was born, like to the letter. And I wonder in some sort of corner in heaven, at some point in eternity, Joseph and Matthew sat down together and had a little heart to heart. I can imagine Joseph saying, bro, like, why'd you have to do me like that? Couldn't you do like Luke did? Just the genealogy, like, made me look really good. Like, why did you have to tell this story, Matthew? And tried to imagine how Matthew might respond. And here's the thing I've come to realize. Really living faithfully in the already but not yet is incredibly hard. Incredibly hard. There's a lot of evidence to that. We hear this all the time. Every few months I go and I Google Christianity in decline because I'm waiting to see what new fascinating lamenting article there is. And there was another set that came out in September of this year saying in like 2070 Christianity will be the minority religious uh, um, identifier in this country and that people are skipping out on church all the time, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's every couple years you Every few months, actually, you get one of those. And I actually spent a little time today as I was kind of finishing up my prep, and I tried to find some, some articles that told me about what are the reasons why Christianity is in decline, and it's the usual suspects every time. It's science's fault. Well, let's blame science. It's uh, the media's fault. It's the Internet's fault. It's like a hip thing to be an atheist now. Like, you can totally be an atheist and be a celebrity. One of my favorites in an article I read is that we're getting smarter. Like, that is the worst. Like, we're getting smarter, so therefore we don't believe in Jesus. Like, I do think there's a way to be smart and believe in Jesus. But apparently this person who authored this article didn't. And, of course, another one of my favorites, just blame the millennials. Because why not blame the millennials for everything? Gen Z, you are right behind us, and you will get blamed for everything too. You've already kind of gotten it, so take it from an elder millennial. It's just going to keep coming. But these are all the reasons, right? Oh, you know, Christianity, it's just, it's just we don't really do it anymore. But I'd like to offer another one, and I will go back to that I think part of the reason why not as many people go this path is because it's hard. You know, most of the New Testament that we read was written with this anticipation that Jesus was right around the corner. Right? All these letters believed that in e. Paul believed in his lifetime. Jesus was coming back. 
And as far as we can tell, the latest book in the New Testament may have been written. Some folks might say Acts was written as far back as the mid to late second century. But likely most of the canon in the New Testament was written at the end of the first century. Because, and, and here's the thing, either way, last I checked, we're in the 21st century. So we've been going at this for 2,000 years. It would have been much easier to have read these texts in 300 or 400 AD and say, oh, it's only been a couple centuries. It's happening now. It gets a little harder. And many of us look around, and even regardless of our politics, we wonder what's wrong. And I imagine people have been doing that all of history. It's just the topics have changed. But I'm pretty sure that even in AD 150, there was the crotchety old person saying, back in my day... And here's the thing, though. If given the option, with everything that's happening in our lives, with all the complications, all of the difficulties, everything else, the fact that this is a big game today, playoff implications, Cowboys, Jags, right? Remember, if I say something about it, they win? Tends to work. You know, there's a lot of times this is the only day you have to yourself. And like, some churches are real jerks. So like, do you really want to have to deal with that? Do you really want to have to deal with the people? And so really, when you get this outrageous story on top of it, that we're supposed to believe at this point that Joseph didn't divorce his wife after as far as we can tell, had some sort of strange things happen. You're, I'm supposed to be believing in this. I think most folks reasonably can say thanks, but no thanks. You get it. Which is why I think we should have far more sympathy for Joseph than we ever give this man credit for. He could have said no. Joseph could have said thanks, but no thanks. I'm guessing that the lamb I had last night must not have been as properly cooked as it should have been. You know, a little too heavy of food. The dreams get a little weird and uh, dreamed of angels and stuff. It just, just doesn't make sense. And here are all the things that our dear friend Joseph could have avoided had he just said no. He would not have to have taken his pregnant betrothed from one end of Judea to the other for a census. You know, it's hard to do a road trip even when you got a car. I couldn't imagine, like, not having a vehicle. He would not have had to flee to Egypt with his newborn child. Have you ever tried to get a newborn child to win Dixie? We're, we're talking a few days worth of a trip. And listen, I'm sure Jesus was a great baby, but babies cry. I just, might have been an angelic cry, but you know, at two o'clock in the morning, you're just like, I, I don't care if it's an angelic cry, it's still a cry and I need to get to sleep. He would have avoided the fear of the moment of being convinced he lost his child in the synagogue. And listen, it sounds really good that Jesus was there listening to all the priests tell all these interesting things and debating and engaging with them, but, but the parrot's fear is the parrot's fear. He could have been, dear friends, our, our 
sadly forgettable character, Joseph, in this whole story, could have been a continued bachelor and lived a relatively unremarkable but peaceful presence. Yeah, you know that Joe, the guy who made the table that we use on Christmas. It's a good guy. But he didn't. Joseph did not say no. He went on. And he chose to go out on a limb to care for his soon-to-be and then spouse. And he raised the son that, as far as we can tell, is not entirely his. And had he said no, he would have missed out on all of that. He would have missed out on a front row seat to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, growing and becoming what he is called to be. He would have missed out, dear friends, had Joseph said no, he would have missed out on holding close to his heart the hope of the entire world as it slumbered as an infant. So what do I think Matthew would reply to Joseph had they had this conversation in heaven? Well, other than trying to make connections to the New Testament, which is accurate, and by the way, just so y'all know, there isn't actually a requirement that Mary was a virgin. That's something that got brought up in translations. Both the Hebrew Testament and the New Testament are just talking about a young woman who is of marriable age. So just keep that in the back of your mind. It doesn't necessarily have to be a virgin Mary, but a young woman. Had Matthew also said, yeah, I'm trying to make connections to Isaiah because that's important for me as the gospel writer who's trying to connect to the Hebrew people. That's important. I think he also might have said, I told this story because I think people needed to know what it meant to see hope in the complexity of life. To say yes. Listen, y'all, everything, everywhere is complication. There's no easy story. There's no easy answer. That's one thing I think is really clear as we head out of this Advent. I mean, again, you would have thought by now COVID would have gone away. Oh, no. It's just COVID brought its buddies RSV and the flu. It's like a whole get-sick party now. And of course, all the other complications. I mean, there's things going on all the time that we're like, what is going on with this world? Again, I'm pretty sure it's not different today than it was 2,000 years ago. And here's the thing, with with Advent and Christmas Eve, we, we love to have the nostalgia. We'll look forward to candlelight and communion and we'll feel really good. But when that nostalgia wears out, where do we go? Where do we turn? It can be hard to see then the hope there that is contained in each of the stories when a man that is generally forgettable by the text says yes to the Savior of the world, to care for the Savior of the world and his mom. And when offered this opportunity for community, whether it's being part of a church like South Jack's or doing what Joseph did and all the work of fostering it, I know it's easy to say no thanks. I get that. 
I can do with what I have. Thank you very much. And here's the thing, you probably can more often than not. You can live a monochromatic, peaceful, but generally unremarkable life. I think that's fine if that's what you want to do. But what is gained in the miracles and hope of saying yes, even in the midst of complexity? Is the extra worth, dear friend, extra work, friends, worth holding embodied hope close to your chest, even in its infancy? Because here's the thing life is complicated. It's going to be complicated whether you're a part of a community like this or not. Sometimes it's hard to make a decision to be part of something that doesn't entirely make sense or has complexities or hinges in part on a dream of a dude whose wife is now pregnant. Making that choice even, asking something of what is beyond what some reasoned logic would tell us is necessary. But here's the thing. Ask someone who's been truly loved unconditionally by a community like its church. Ask somebody who gave of themselves to care for someone else, even when it seemed unreasonable. To see the hope that's within that complexity. To persevere, even when everybody tells you, I don't know about that. Rare is it, dear friends, that in the end, they say it was not worth it. So in the middle of the already but not yet, in the midst of moving from anticipation to marking the reality and spending a whole season witnessing hope around us, we have spent four weeks digging into hope. I think this is a question we're left with. Can we say yes? Thanks be to God.